Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, so here we are coming to you live from the red carpet of the inaugural Supercoach 365 Player of the Year Awards. Just kidding, we're actually coming to you from our usual setup here. Ryan Selvage and Tommy Hudson with you tonight. But Tommy, a big show it is. Going to have a look back at uh, all of the key talking points, the best players, the best performances from the 2021 season, as well as our usual review and previews from the rounds just gone and the one coming up. So uh, plenty to look forward to tonight. Yeah, good day, Ryan. Bumper show ahead. Uh, possibly the last show of the year. We'll see how we go in terms of shows during the finals. Maybe something to keep the listeners interested but yeah last week of Supercoach coming up this weekend and it's a tricky one but uh, we'll use tonight to have a look back at some of the best performances of the year yeah we'll get into uh, the round 25 uh, the team list the carnage that came with it uh, team list Tuesday tonight obviously as we record this and uh some implications to come from that. Plenty of resting before we get into this week. Let's uh, have a look back at round 24, the round just gone. And to kick us off on Thursday night, a game which had uh, big implications upon the final top eight. The Knights proved just that little bit too good for the Titans at the end. I think it was uh, 15 points to 14, Mitchell Pierce's field goal, the winner, the difference uh, at the end of full time. But uh, Tommy, what do you make of the game? Yeah, I've been a little bit critical of Newcastle lately, just being not I suppose, living up to expectations and not living up to what their squad says they should. But then again, they keep winning and maybe they've just found a method that works for them. They seem to grind out victories at the moment and another 15 points to 14 win the other night, another low-scoring win for them. Maybe they've just found their little niche. Scrappy win though, wasn't it? Because, uh, I mean, watching it at the time, you, you just thought it was whoever wins this game, yeah, they're, they're probably going to go on and make the eight. But it was just, uh, it didn't fill me with any confidence that one of those two sides, whoever it was, could walk away and do any real damage in the finals. Uh, that loss, it all but ends the Titans' hopes. Of course, uh, if things go their way this weekend and they have a big win over the Warriors, they're still a mathematical chance of making the top eight, but they were a popular pick to make the this finals at the start of the year before a ball was kicked and largely due to I guess uh, the signing of David Fafita and Tino Sumaliawi and uh, I guess the other young forwards that they had in their stocks. But Fafita's involvement, how do they get him more involved? He just wasn't there on the weekend. He came in off the bench and scored a good try. But is that what you're paying someone $1.2 million to do? Or you know, I just think they need to get him more involved. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And um, I think this is always going to be an issue with Fafita because, yes, he started the year on fire, but... You know, it's a long, arduous season in the NRL, and they've moved, they've moved into state. I know the Gold Coast haven't, but they've still been involved in a lot of COVID changes and whatnot. And he played Origin as well. He's probably just getting a little bit tired. Um, his score the other day, 85, that obviously boosted by that try. So it shows that he does have that big moment still in him. But I agree, in terms of playing longer minutes and getting constantly involved, he probably is letting a few people down. But he's only young. I think we should remember that. Yeah, absolutely. He's... Uh, 21, I think, maybe 22, and what he does is far and away beyond what uh, the normal, I guess, the the prototype of a rugby league player. I was having a think today of who is the most similar player to David Fafita that we've ever seen before, and I think maybe he's just a little bit... (laughs) 
this sounds stupid, but maybe a little bit impacted by just how good and how unique he is because we've never, to my memory, I don't think I've ever seen a player like Fafita, someone that can be so uh, impactful, but also at the same time, he doesn't have that big motor or does he need to change his style? I said to you at the time, I think the Titans, for the balance of their team, to make the most of their salary cap, to get the best out of David Fafita, maybe he needs to move to the middle. And I know you kind of disputed that and you said, well, he's an edge forward. But he is so unique. Maybe they need to make a, a unique role for him, like a Joey Manu or like a Tom Travojevic in Origin, where they are, you know, wearing the number three or four and playing centre. But they're not stuck to that one side of the field. Yeah, I do see the merit in your argument, and obviously, it would help them probably at the start of games if he's in the middle, getting more touches on the ball and whatnot. But I just think the other side of the coin, locks these days are expected to be you know mobile ball players. I'm not sure he is exactly that. And like you said, he probably doesn't have to be what other locks are. He could be his own sort of lock. But I just feel like he could get pretty tired playing in the middle. So I think you'd have to have um, some rotations there for him. Yeah, I think when the when the push comes to shove and the Titans look back on this season, it's obviously a fail not making the top eight given the roster they had and all the expectations that came with that. But I think this point here about Fafita moving to the middle, I think you'll hear a lot more about it from experts or wannabe experts like ourselves across the summer because I think there's something just has to be done to get him more involved. Enough on David Fafita though. We'll talk about him a little bit more in when we get into our Player of the Year awards. He does feature quite heavily there. Let's talk about Latrell Mitchell. Tommy, obviously the biggest talking point of the weekend uh, to come out, that shoulder charge, of course, on Joey Manu and another player missing for this week that we, we, we didn't expect, but... Uh, disappointing the way that Latrell's years finished. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose this has always been the only knock on his game. He's he's a freak of a player, but he does have this sort of angry streak in him, and he smashed Joey Mahoney the other night, and I can't believe it was a sent-off, but I thought the way he came back on the field and then celebrated his trial by throwing the ball into the ground next to the Roosters player was, you know, a bit rude, and I think that probably turn people off even more and it probably didn't help any suspension it probably lengthened it but yeah from a super coach point of view it's certainly a play we didn't need to lose this week talking points uh, other ones to come out of the weekend of course Tommy did and he finally broke that that long drought we made a joke of it last week but uh, the Cowboys too good in the end for the Dragons the Sharks over the Broncos there at Suncorp and uh, they moved closer to a top 8 spot as well but the big result on Saturday night of course was the, the Parramatta Reels beating the Melbourne Storm it ends the streak but what does that mean for the premiership, Tommy? Does it just open the door a little bit more, considering Latrell's suspension now as well? Yeah, look, I don't know. It was a big weekend in terms of uh, probably trading places. You know, I think South have fallen a few ranks down with losing Latrell. I don't know if they can win it without him. Parramatta have given their chances a massive uh, boost with their win. No one saw that coming. And for Melbourne, look, I don't know. Was it just the loss they needed to have, as the cliche goes, or was it something more? Because I think their performances in the last month or so probably haven't been their usual standard. We talked about it last week a little bit. I mentioned uh, how they're trying to fit in Pappenhausen, Nico Hines, Munster, Hughes, Grant, Smith. It's an embarrassment of riches. Uh, I think you mentioned after that match, Michael Ennis kind of went to town on Ryan Pappenhausen saying that he hasn't been at his best and Hines needs to be there if they are to uh, be a real figure towards that uh, back-to-back premierships. Paps gets his chance back in the number one this week with Munster rested and Hines goes to six. So you said it off air before, before we came on. Is this a chance, maybe do you think a showdown to see, well, who will get the starting spot when it comes to finals? Well, possibly, yeah. I think it might be because... Obviously, Paps came back and everyone expected him to come back sort of in the form he he showed earlier in the year, and he he probably just hasn't produced that. I think he had a decent game against the Gold Coast a couple of weeks ago, but he he didn't look great against Parramatta, and I think Hines probably looked better when he came on, to be honest. So, look, I don't know. I think it's up in the air at the moment. You'd probably still lean towards Bellamy giving Paps the first crack, obviously, in the finals, given his his efforts last year in the series, but I think if Hines is an absolute blinder and perhaps looks a bit gun-shy this week, look, you never know. I just think you, you think about it. On grand final day, for Melbourne to win last year, obviously Ryan Pappenhausen, Clive Churchill medalist, if he's not playing his best, like he he beat Cameron Smith to a Clive Churchill medal in a grand final where Cameron Smith sort of try. Like that is how good Ryan Pappenhausen can be. And I think if Melbourne are to go back-to-back and to beat the form team at the moment, I don't think there's any arguing this. I think Penrith are probably moved back into the premier pole position to take out the title. If if Melbourne want to get back there on grand final day, I just feel they need Ryan Pappenhausen starting and, and playing 80 minutes. Oh, look, you can't deny that he's he's a better player than Pap, uh, better player than Hines, I should say. Pappenhausen's a better player than Hines. He probably has a higher ceiling than Hines ever will. 
and his form last year and at the start of the year was incredible. But I just don't know what that hit has taken out of him. He just doesn't look the same in the collision. Doesn't seem to back himself as much. And I hope he does get back to his best because not just Storm fans, but NRL fans in general just love watching him play. So, look, you'll probably get the chances in the finals, but he definitely wants to show something this week. I think everyone mentions that magic round hit as well. And I know he was out with what was diagnosed as a shoulder injury uh, for some time leading up to that return at Suncorp Stadium. But you look back at that game against the Roosters, I think it was round six, where he went down early, came off with a HIA, he came back on, played the rest of the game, scored a try. Uh, very influential that night when uh, Melbourne proved too good in the end. I think what what we haven't spoken about here is Ryan Pappenhausen. I think he, he probably has copped one more knock than everyone is actually considering. So... I agree. He, he's he's not at his best as he was in rounds one to six where he scored five tries and averaged 200 plus metres a game. But I think if Melbourne are to win this comp, they need Ryan Pappenhausen back at his best. And the only way you can do that, I think, is by giving him the number one jersey and saying, mate, this is yours. Go out and, and show us what you can do. Let's move on, though. Uh, Slaughter Sunday, it was dubbed, or what we expected to see plenty of points last weekend uh, when Manly took on the Bulldogs and, of course, uh, the Panthers uh, against the West Tigers. But it was much closer than we thought it was going to be, didn't we? We thought this would be one-way traffic in both of these games. But Tommy Turbo, it wasn't his best game, but still he manages to produce a massive score, 170 in a hat-trick effort against the Dogs. Yeah, it's unbelievable. The most unbelievable part of this is, look what you said there, you got 170. And I watched this game pretty closely as my opponent in draft actually had him as, as a vice-captain. And he didn't really do that much in the game until the last probably 20 minutes or so, and he still gets 170. And I know we're going to mention the scoring system in a sec, but, geez, it does sort of make a case for it to be changed next year when a player who probably doesn't do that much in a game one week still gets 170. Yeah, I mean, we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago with uh, the Supercoach Whisperer, and we kind of went into detail on the back of Tommy's record-breaking performance. Was it against the Sharks? I think he scored 220-something. I don't know. Uh, It was far too many points for whatever it was anyway and that's the thing you look at the game and, and you you sit back and you think well Tommy probably played a six and a half maybe seven out of ten and yet he pumps 170 which no other player in Supercoach maybe bar James Tedesco or Cody Walker maybe could do uh, Nathan Cleary again it, it, this just adds further weight I think he got a hundred points in that game against the West Tigers and uh, not being too critical of Nathan but he was Again, probably a six and a half, seven out of ten, nowhere near his best. And it just shows you for mine that these players with such high ceilings, they can have a, a below-par game and just blow other teams out of the water. Yeah, 100%. He had, he had a few knock-ons and he did have a few kicks for tries, which I'm sure have boosted his stats there. But no, I agree. I agree. I think the correlation between a player actually playing well and then you know scoring highly isn't always accurate. And I don't know how we change it next year. Maybe we go... Things like line breaks and line breaks assists, we kind of, I suppose, lower the points for that. It's probably one of the only things I can think of. Maybe heighten uh, stats for defenders in terms of tackles and whatnot. But I don't know. Maybe it has to come under review in the offseason. Yeah, we've scratched the surface, as I said, a couple of weeks ago. But uh, you mentioned some offseason content there, Tommy. I think that's this is something that we will dive into head first. Um, I've got here on our little run sheet the rugby league week model of 10 being perfection. Um, you know, tens were rarely handed out. I think Gal got one once in our lifetime. I think in that Origin performance, for me as well. I got here in cricket scoring a century is, I guess, is the mark. You know, you get scoring a hundred is the mark of well, you know, at the end of your end of your career, you retire with x x amount of hundreds. I don't know. I think one hundred and seventy, a hundred for Cleary. Yes, it's all well and good for classic players, but you know, if you're playing a sixteen man draft league and you don't own Tommy or, or Cleary, you just can't win the comp. Uh, from day one. Anyway, that's enough of round 24. Let's just have a look uh, before we move on to, of course, why everyone's here, the Supercoach Player of the Year Awards. Tommy, how did you fare last week? Uh, where are you sitting at the end of 24 rounds? Uh, yeah, not a great week. Uh, 13.68, still top 13%. I guess it's not terrible. Uh, just ticked over 30,000 total score for the year, top 4% with one week to go. But looking at the team list today, I might be struggling to uh, fill even close to a full team. Yeah, done some asking around this afternoon, I think. 14 players looks about par. Anything more, you're uh, you're probably cheering. But, yeah, plenty of restings, which we'll get to a little bit later on in our Round 25 preview. Uh, for me, 14-51. Again, this score a couple of years ago would be far and away challenging for the best score of the week. Only the top 4% this time around. 
season rank now back into the top 1,949 overall. So uh, clinging on to that top 1,000 spot as we head into the final week. But before we get into that final week, Tommy, as we said, uh, something a little bit different here to wrap up the Supercoach year at the end of 25 rounds. We put this on our Instagram story across the weekend, and a big thank you to everyone who got involved. Uh, the uptake was phenomenal, so uh, very well done, everyone who jumped on and uh, helped us out here. Let's get straight into these awards. Uh, a couple of categories here uh, outside of the position categories. The first of those is the cheapy of the year. Key to building a super coach team, classic players particularly, or finding some value in draft leagues, is finding the cheapies or, I guess, uh, the lesser names, those not on the radar. And uh, in a year with some plenty of breakout talent, Tommy, uh, we narrowed it down to four. Yeah, we did. And like you say, it's an important role in super coach, and it really favours the sort of super coach players who really, you know, look deeply at team team squads and try to find the hidden goal. But anyway, the four nominees for this category were Sam Walker, Josh Schuster, Dane Laurie, and Reese Walsh. Which way did we go? Yeah, uh, taking out the award, of course, was none other than Roosters number seven, Sam Walker. Uh, got close to 60% of the votes here at our Instagram story, as we say. And Brought into a lot of teams at the start of the year to kind of partner Nathan Cleary. He certainly did a role, didn't he, Sam Walker? Got a debut far quicker than anyone would have thought. We thought maybe he plays a game or two over State of Origin period, but uh, given the injuries at the Roosters, he was just thrust straight into the thick of it. Yeah, I guess as, as soon as Luke Cleary got injured that night against South, you know, Sam Walker became the hottest property on Supercoach almost for that week. So he, and he started with a bang as well, 81, 89, and then two scores of 100 or 100 plus, I should say, in his first five weeks. It was an absolute uh, dream sort of start to his career, and he got up to a high price of 628000 from the base price. So that's a huge rise there. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly did his job. A cash cow, Sam Walker. I don't think he will be first picked in a lot of teams next year like he was this year, but uh, no doubt a star of the future and one that will be in a lot of teams, uh, I dare say, in years to come. So too will be a couple of these other names here moving on to our next award. And this was a surprise packet of the year, and we kind of narrowed this one down to just the backs. Um, plenty of names on this list here that weren't even in the conversation uh, to be anywhere near Supercoach teams before a ball was kicked. No, exactly. Surprises by name and nature are Ruben Garrick, Nico Hines, Adam Dewey and Brian Toe. He could have been forgiven for, I guess, handing this award to any of them, but uh, taking it out, of course, we've mentioned him already, Nico Hines uh, with... It was nearly a 50-50 split between he and Garrick. Uh, Honourable mentions, though, to Dewey, who's uh, outperformed, I think, uh, what anyone would have expected from him. But Nico Hines, he uh, came into this Storm team on the back of Pappenhausen's injury layoffs, and, geez, didn't he do a job? Oh, did he ever. Like he's, like uh, Sam Walker, I suppose, beneficiary of injuries, took his, uh, took his opportunity in the team and just ran with it. Five scores over 100. And uh, he got to a high price of 900 grand. So amazing from him. Speaking of surprises, it wasn't just limited to the backs, though. Uh, the forwards, and, you know, we sat down at the start of the year and we kind of picked our teams and we favoured a lot of these bigger names. Uh, Angus Crichton, Ryan Madison, uh, you, I think I opted for Jason Tamalolo. Um, none of us started with Isaiah Papali'i or uh, some of these other names on this list, but uh, I'll let you read out the nominations here, Tommy. Yeah, Papali'i, as you mentioned, Kaloa Matangi as a prize, Josh Curran and Connor Watson also, but who did we find? Might have given it away there, but Isaiah Papali'i, um, I think he came on in that first game against the Broncos for the Eels uh, in round one. They were down, were they down 18 nil. I think at the time he came on, he completely turned the game and the Eels, they never looked back this year. He was the out and out winner of this uh, polling close to 80% of the votes. So Isaiah Papali'i, a clear standout for uh, surprise forwards. The other way there though, we've already mentioned uh, Jason Tamalolo. He was in your team to start the year and he features on this list of biggest disappointments, players that let us down. Yeah, a few names that we don't like to see here, a few names we didn't expect to see, that's for sure. Um, David Nofaluma, Appy Corusau, Jason Tamalolo, and Damian Cook. Yeah, taking out the coveted prize, if you want to call it that, or the biggest flop or the biggest disappointment of the year. Again, Jason Tamalolo, he was just so highly priced. He was, you know, a top 10 draft pick. In, in recent years at least and maybe even still this year if you weren't up to speed with uh, the talk from or out of the Cowboys camp to start the year. Uh, yeah, I don't have his stats here in front of me, Tommy. I'm sure you do in terms of the numbers he put out, the limited minutes he played. But yeah, very disappointing this year, Jason Tamalolo. Yeah, I think it was just Todd Payton 
from week one, he basically said we're going to use him a bit more sparingly and try ensure his longevity at the Cowboys. But that kind of killed his uh, super coach ambitions. If you have a look at his last three averages, 70, 78, 72, and then this year just 56. So a clear drop off there. And he was a must-sell for most players. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable, isn't it? Because on his day, he is so emphatic. I think what you saw at the weekend from Tamalolo, I know he shifted to prop and yeah, it's just a number on his back. His, his role is largely the same, but maybe that mentality of just rolling up the sleeves and getting down and dirty uh, is what they need up there in Townsville because that was their biggest and their, their best win of the season by some way. Let's get into our player position awards now. And uh, let's start at the back. A very hotly contested field, this one. Some of the biggest names in the game on this list. And uh, one of the nominees wasn't a biggest name to start the year, Nico Hines. But yeah, a hot field it is this one. Oh, absolutely. I think we've spoken all year about the fullback category being just absolutely influx of talent. Like you've got probably your fifth best fullback is as good as the best in other positions. It's absolutely incredible. The names we come up with were Tedesco, Tom Trevojevic, Latrell Mitchell and Nico Hines. No surprises here. Tom Trevojevic with a massive 92%. Uh, of the votes here, which is incredible to think. James Tedesco started the year as the the out-and-out, I think. Uh, Well, I wouldn't say out-and-out. I'll say he's definitely a top-two draft pick. He would have went first pick overall in in a lot of leagues. Uh, I think he was the most expensive supercoach player heading into the season, but I think maybe that's why Tom's earned so much of the vote here as well. He was... Uh, I'd say he was five-eighths of the price, nearly half the price of Tedesco to start the year, and he came in, and he, he just never looked back. Yeah, in a way, he's kind of a surprise performer. Not that we didn't know he was capable of this, but with his injury clouds and probably hasn't played this well before, we just didn't expect this level of domination, but it's been absolutely incredible what he's done. I think it's unbelievable as well. You look at the other names there, uh, Latrell Mitchell. Again, if if you averaged 82 last year as a fullback, even this year, it's it's still very, very good, but... Last year, 82 as a fullback, you were in Teddy category. So uh, he's only polled, yeah, I mean, looking at this, he's probably polled about 2% of the overall vote, Latrell Mitchell. Um, I think he will figure more likely as uh, a fullback option next year when he does assume the goal kicking from Adam Reynolds once uh, Reno moves on. Let's move on in saying that to the CTW slot here where, again, uh, a host of names we've already mentioned. Uh, a hotly contested field as well, and it's hard to uh, it's hard to look past some of the names on this list when you're talking about best players overall in the season, not just in the CTW slot. Yeah, another hot category here, and names we've sort of already mentioned on this podcast, but are Ruben Garrick, Nico Hines, Brian To. Oh, sorry for butchering his name for you, buddy, and Alex Johnston as well gets mentioned. Yeah, let's uh, have a look here at the overall votes, and this one actually one of the closest of uh, of all of these awards here. Uh, Brian Toto, as you say there, he was well found by the punters here voting on, but again, it's hard to look past the overall leading point scorer of Supercoach in 2021. Ruben Garrick takes out the award here with, uh, I will say, just more than 50% of the overall vote. Surprisingly here, you look at the numbers here, Tommy, Nico Hines in a long way behind both Garrick and Brian. So it uh, just shows you that, you know, even though Hines had a great year and obviously rated well with Supercoach players, Respect where it's due to, to both Garrick and Toto. Yeah, Garrick, just unbelievable. If he had told me at the start of the year that he would have the most points of anyone in Supercoach, I would have thought you're mad because who would have thought that? Uh, nine scores above 100. Nearly got a 200 one day, got a 199. Absolutely incredible year. Obviously, fully influenced by Tom Trevojevic's presence, but still, nonetheless, it's a great effort. Interesting here as well, Alex Johnston, uh, the least favoured of these nominees and the NRL's leading try scorer. Uh, I know AJ in the, in the past has been criticised of having a low base and not maybe being as super coach relevant as he has been this year, but the way the game's going, the amount of points, uh, the amount of tries he's scoring... Uh, definitely will figure as, uh, I mean, it's going to be hard to get them all in next year, but how can you look past that South Sydney left side to start the year in 2022? Speaking of that left side, uh, let's move into our 5 category. And the first nominee, no surprise here, Cody Walker. Yeah, Cody Walker, Adam Dewey, Cameron Munster and Matt Burton, I'm pretty sure I know who wins this. <laughs> yeah, uh, all have had great years respectively, uh, but as I said, it's hard to look past Cody Walker polled uh, an impressive 85% uh, of all of these votes. So, yeah, one-way traffic in a field which, you know, you, you'd be happy with. I won't, oh, I'm not going to say you'd be unhappy with Burton in your draft team, but any one of those other three, I think, 
you'd be doing very, very well in a draft league if you had Walker, AD, or Cam Munster, but uh, a clear standout Cody Walker and that combination down that left side, as we say, he is the predominant playmaker for South, so just shows you uh, a lot of players found Cody Walker. It was a question of two at the start of the year, wasn't it? Walker or Munster? We both went with Walker, but uh, we haven't been disappointed. No, exactly right. It was 100% a question of two, and I think we decided with Walker because we thought maybe South would have a better year than Melbourne, but uh hasn't really turned out like that. But like you say, Walker pretty much does all the attacking for South, and that left side that he owns is just so dominant. Speaking of dominant, let's move on. This will be short and sharp, I think, this one. Halfback of the year, Tommy. Uh, I'll let you just uh, do the honours here. Take the take the nominations away. Uh, Nathan Cleary, uh, also James, Jerome Hughes, DCE, and Sam Walker also getting around. Yep, we'll keep it short and sharp. There is one clear winner here, and uh, I, I mean, it looks like one clear winner for the next 10 years in this category. Nathan Cleary. Uh, phenomenal year. He's just, um, I guess, repaid the faith, which if you had him in your team from day one, if you forked out the cash to have Cleary in your team from day one, you have not been disappointed. Uh, and I know we rated him as the overall number one draft pick as well, Tommy, to start the year ahead of Teddy, which raised a few eyebrows at the time. Um, and maybe not next year because of Tom Turbo, will he be number one? But you couldn't argue... I don't think, looking back in hindsight, Nathan Cleary going as the first overall draft pick. No, but I think he's still exceeded our expectations. He's averaged 110 this year, and despite, uh, sorry, without Tommy Turbo going like an absolute freak, you know, that should really be the best player in the game. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure 77% of, sorry, 77 votes didn't go to Cleary, so I'm not sure what those players are watching, but uh, Cleary, an absolute deserved winner of this. Yeah, let's just have a look at that number there. Again, close to 650 votes here on this poll, maybe a few more. Only four of them went to Sam Walker. Now, that number, I think, will be a lot higher next year when he gets back. Luke Cleary by his side. I think that number will go up. I think having Cleary there will take a little bit of pressure off uh, Sam Walker and Maybe free him up to play his little bit more attacking, uh, creative style. Of course, that style can't come out without the the tough work, the the grunt stuff done in the middle by the front row forwards. Uh, that's where we move to next here with our uh, Player of the Year awards. And Tommy, uh, a good list here, four names which uh, have just, again, rolled their sleeves up and done the tough stuff for their outside backs. Yeah, they probably haven't got a lot of exposure this year with the backs being so dominant, but uh, Payne Haas, Luke Thompson, James Fisher-Harris and Adam Fenua-Blake. The winner here is Payne Haas, uh, polled, yeah, again, close to 75% of the overall vote. Very, very impressive Payne Haas. And He's getting into that category now without Lodge, without TPJ there at the Broncos, where you'd, you'd start to consider him as a top five draft pick overall. Oh, yeah, he's an absolute gun for sure. Um, I think just in terms, not even on Supercoach, I think this has been his best year. He averaged slightly higher on Supercoach last year, but I just think the way he's put Brisbane on his back, um, I think it bodes well for his future. He doesn't look like a leader there. And I can just imagine his scores in the next few years are only going to go up. Yeah, and that's I guess that's why as we move on here to the second row forward position, you just see that young talent and just the want, the desire from Payne Haas. And you just think, imagine if he had 50% of that in David Fafita. Like, what he could do for the Titans, I'm not saying he's a middle forward, not saying he's running, you know, the same style of play, but just that you just you can tell Payne Haas really, really wants it. Uh, as we say, moving on to the second row forward here, Fafita, that man we've mentioned a couple of times already, Papali'i, Crichton and Cam Murray. This is a hot field, Tommy. Yeah, one of our closest uh, results here, Isaiah Papali'i, though, getting the nod just over David Fafita. Perhaps David Fafita's late season form has uh, took him away from the honours here. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at this at the start of the year, you probably had Angus Crichton as... The well, I had him as the best second row forward in the game. Obviously, he's been suspended a couple of times, and the Roosters' impact in their attack has been uh, dulled by Kiri not being there and uh, the combinations that come with it. So, yeah, not really surprised to see Crichton drop down this list here. But uh, overall, I guess Isaiah Bubbly awarded the best second row forward of the year. We will say this. He is a dual position player, Papali'i, but we've had him here in the 2RF uh, as opposed to the front row because that's where he's played the, the bulk of his minutes this year. Uh, probably important to say that before we move on to the hooking role because you do get some uh, dual position players here, particularly our first nominee. Yeah, some real hard workers here and maybe one or two surprises. Uh, Brandon Smith, Harry Grant, Jaden Braley and Reid Marnie. Yeah, and I think surprising to me maybe just how emphatic Brandon Smith was in taking out this award. Uh, more than 90% of the total vote went to Smith. And if you asked me at the start of the year, would Brendan Smith be the Supercoach Hooker of the Year? I would have just said no, because I thought Damian Cook doesn't even get a mention uh, in these nominees here. 
I would have had Harry Grant ahead of Brandon Smith as well, but obviously injury, suspension, form, everything's come into calculation, and Brandon, uh, he's just out and out the best hooker option. And funnily enough, I haven't had him in my team all year, but Tommy, I know he certainly did a job for you. Yeah, I picked him up at the right time, and he went on to score about seven or eight weeks in a row, so I didn't see that coming, but it really helped. And um, I suppose Brandon Smith's just been a surprise pack, and I think we thought Harry Grant would get the nod at nine, but like you said, with injuries and Smith's form, you just you can't not pick Smith at the moment. Again, uh, one thing that I guess maybe uh, was a luxury for some super coaches or a lot of super coaches who picked up Brandon throughout the year was his dual position status. And uh, we've kind of, like the NRL's Dally M interchange player of the year, we've kind of broken away from the mold here and we're going to have a dual position player of the year. And Brandon's on this list alongside uh, his Melbourne Storm teammate. Yeah, two Storm players dominating this category. We've got Brandon Smith, Necker Hines. We also had Connor Watson and Matt Burton. But who took it out? Yeah, no surprise. We've already said about how good he has been throughout the year. And he only just edged Nico Hines. Of course, we are speaking of Brandon Smith. We've all read out the votes on this one. 247 votes to Brandon and 240 to Nico Hines. So... Yeah, uh, they've both done a job in different positions for their team on the field this year, but also for super coaches. Yeah, absolutely. And it just kind of shows the depth Melbourne have. You know, these two are probably expected to be bench players for the majority of the year, and they've come out and started for most of the year and put the Storm into an incredible position. So full credit to Melbourne. One eye on 2022, though, and we're getting in early here, but uh, Matt Burton, the amount of games he's played in the centres this year for the Panthers, that will mean he carries that CTW tag next year when he's at the Bulldogs, presumably wearing jersey number six. So if you have an attacking player, uh, hands on the ball, in what looks a far improved team in the Bulldogs next year, Matt Burton, I'm going to say, without knowing his price, of course, he is going to be a very, very popular Supercoach player to start the year in 2022 for obvious reasons there. But Tommy, without further ado, let's get into our biggest award of the night, and the, well, of the year, that is, the Supercoach Player of the Year. Now, let me just bring this up here. Our good friends at topsport.com.au. Uh, shout out to Tristan Merlihan and the team up there doing very, very good things. He put together here a mock market uh, for this award. Our final nominees, of course, Ruben Garrick, Tom Travojevic, Cody Walker, and Isaiah Papali'i. Uh, Turbo, $1.10 favourite he was. Isaiah Papali'i, $9. Cody Walker, $15. And Garrick, despite being uh, the overall point scorer, top point scorer, that is, 26 to 1. Tommy, if you were having a bet, where would uh, the value be on that? Turbo, $1.10. That's winks-like odds, but... Uh, it's better than bank interest. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. It is It is better than bank interest, and uh, that's the way they went. Tommy Trevojevic, 428 votes. He takes it out ahead of Ruben Garrick, and then Papali and Walker both tying, but well off the other two. I suppose it was just the Manly show this year at times. Trevojevic and Garrick combining on that left-hand side, and I've got a few of Tommy's numbers here just, just to round out the year for him. His highest score of 226, which actually usurped Nathan Cleary's score of 225 earlier in the year. Uh, he now is worth 1.1 million, which is just unheard of. Uh, 14 games for him this year, 10 scores over 100. And another two of the scores were 95 and 87. So it's just unbelievable numbers. An average of 137. I really don't think it's numbers we'll ever see again. Turbo, we've already mentioned Cleary there. Um, some Smokies along the way in, in Burton and Dewey maybe as well. It's going to be very, very tough to get all of these players into your team next year. Absolutely. But I, I really think, and I know it's easy to say now, and a lot of things can happen between now and the start of the year, but it's it's hard to imagine a team without uh, Tommy Turbo in it. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at it to start this year, it was almost the perfect storm for super coaches uh, when I think Paps played his last game in round six uh, with that shoulder injury. Turbo came back from his injury the same week. So it was an easy get uh, for a straight swap for coaches to get uh, from Pappenhausen to Travojevic. That's enough of our Supercoach Player of the Year awards. As we say, a big thank you to topsport.com.au for putting together that mixed market as well as all of our followers who had uh, gotten their votes in at our Instagram and you can stay tuned right across our channels at Supercoach365 to see the full results in that if you have missed uh, the start or any part of this podcast. Let's move on though to round 25. Tommy, let's wrap it up. Let's come home in style here. The final round of the NRL season before we move into the NRL finals that is. Uh, gets underway on Thursday night. This one in Mackay. Your Raiders up against the Roosters. We mentioned some changes to the team lists given restings and everything else going on. And the Roosters, some big ins for them despite Joey Marnie missing this one. Yes, yeah, some big ins indeed. Angus Crichton, which is good for super coaches who are still holding on to him. 
and Jared Oria Hargraves also rejoining the team. Obviously, Joey Manu is out, but I think I think they're a stronger team this week with those big boppers in. Massive game this one. There's only a few games this weekend that matter, but this is one of them with uh, both teams with something to play for. What do you make of the Roosters uh, being favourites in this one, Tommy? Raiders, they need to win to solidify their hopes of making the finals. The Roosters, they're already there. So the Raiders, we know when they have, a, I guess, something to play for, and it's particularly against the Roosters, uh, they've shown that they can more than handle the occasion. Uh, $2.10 outsiders here. The Roosters, $1.75 favourites to start. Two points in favour of the Raiders here, topsport.com.au. What do you make of the Raiders being the outsiders in this a must-win game? Yeah, we do probably have more to play for, but I still think the Roosters do have things to play for. I think coming off the back of conceding 50 last week, they wouldn't want to go into the finals with another loss to a, a team who's battled most of the year in the Raiders. So I think the Roosters will be up for it. And I think with their forwards on paper, I think they do deserve favouritism, but it's probably a flip of the coin game. Charles Nickel Klockstad back in jersey number one, which sees Rapana shift to the wing. And uh, looks to be Bailey Simonson out through injury, I think it was, Tommy. Although he didn't have his best game last week. Uh, a couple of errors there, which led to some soft tries. No, perhaps a convenient injury there to a... Uh, take him off the field, but I really like the look of our back line this week. Chance back in the fullback role, and Jordan Rapana's probably been our best player all year. Josh Morris as well renounced his retirement from the Roosters at the year's end, so a couple of more times we get to see Josh, and uh, he's been a great servant to the game of obviously following brother Brett's lead of hanging up the boots at the end of season 2021. Friday night, uh, the Sharks and the Storm, this game will have plenty of implications alongside uh, the minor premiership race, but so to the, the fight for that final spot in the top eight and the Storm they've rested a couple of stars here some through injury um, some through just giving them a freshen up on the eve of the finals but it's still a very very strong team no absolutely I think we probably were led to believe it was going to be a bit weaker than this but a spine of Paps Hines Jerome Hughes and uh, Brandon Smith is still pretty strong Harry Grant on the bench as well Sharks have to win though to uh, to make the eight so it should be a pretty competitive game Sharks I think they were they were better than okay in that game against the Broncos here. Uh, Metcalf, not as electric as he was the week prior against the Tigers, sees Matt Moylan back in jersey number six. But for the Sharks, for mine, they just don't have that oomph, that that firepower. When I look at this Sharks forward pack, I don't fear them. I don't fear any player there. So uh, the Storm with Tui Kamakamitha and Nelson Asofa Solomona back, I think they'll be too good for the Sharks in this one. Yeah, I agree with you there, and that'll... Well, it'll depend if Raiders win on Thursday night, but if the Raiders and the Sharks are both to lose, as the market suggests, uh, the Titans will have their chance on Sunday. We'll get to that shortly. Before that, though, uh, Friday night, the primetime game, and speaking of resting, uh, the Eels have most certainly taken the opportunity to give their stars uh, some time to put their feet up this weekend. It's a very, very different-looking team, this one, for Parramatta to take on Penrith, and Parramatta obviously last week started... Uh, long outsiders in that game against the Storm, and they do again here. $11 if you like the Eels to topple the Panthers. A dollar five head to head. The line at 27.5, and the Eels get it. Yeah, I think they were about this price last week against Melbourne, but this would be a this would be a bigger upset because this is literally a New South Wales Cup team. What the Eels have announced here, and obviously they don't have a lot to play for this weekend, but. I don't know. Do you like this tactic of basically surrendering a game a week out from the finals? Yeah, I guess um, it's probably a calculated risk here from Bad Arthur. Uh, you could probably play all your stars and lose in a tight game. So maybe, yeah, maybe good to give the guys a week off. I mean, they've, they've been playing uh, 24 rounds to this point. Some of them have been playing Origin as well. Uh, for super coaches, though, importantly, uh, Isaiah Papali'i not there. Uh, Clint Gutherson not there. Uh, cheapies uh, get a run still. Hayes Dunster, uh, Will Penasini is out, it looks like, as well. So uh, mixed news there uh, on the cheapy front, but yeah, a host of names out. And Panthers, conversely, uh, they look full strength in this one. Yeah, they do. And I think last week we probably both thought they'd beat the Tigers by more. I think they were a bit clunky, Penrith, but... Maybe the big result we went a week earlier could be this weekend. Let's have a look at Saturday afternoon and the Broncos up against the Knights who themselves sealed that seventh place uh, with that narrow win over the Titans last weekend. Uh, looks to me here they've rested J- Jaden Braley and maybe Mitch Barnett, I think. I don't know if he's suspended. I'd say they'd be giving him a rest. Uh, but otherwise here, the Knights, I don't know, I won't say they'll be too good for the Broncos because I think the Broncos have certainly improved in recent times. This might be a game which we really get to see, well, are the Knights going to pose any threat beyond week one of the finals? Yeah, I think we'll just see more of the same from Newcastle. I think this will be another sort of 
grinding close game where they they probably do enough to win. I think in their uh, in their defence, Newcastle haven't been great, but they just have those match winners. Mitchell Pierce can kick a field goal. Caelan Ponga can throw a cut at ball and go himself. They do have people in their team who can win a game, a close game. So, you know, on their day. They're a pretty dangerous side. Speaking of 2022, before when we mentioned Burton moving on to the Bulldogs, the more I look at Anthony Milford in the past couple of weeks, I think this is a really, really good signing by the Rabbitohs. He can play this Benji Marshall-style 14 role. If, you know, That's assuming Benji's not playing on beyond this year. But Milford in a, a new club, a new environment, getting fit. and I think he's shown the past couple of weeks that he's still able to match it with uh, the very best in the competition on his day. And he's certainly churned out some good super coach scores to go with that. Yeah, I think it's maybe a bit short-sighted from the Broncos to get rid of him because like he ha- obviously hasn't played well for a few years now, but he just hasn't had a strong halfback to play with him. And next year, Adam Reynolds up there. It would have been good to see those two uh, combine, but not to be. Yeah, you look at the players to go alongside, obviously Reynolds' addition, but these young talents that they have there in, uh, you know, Tessie New, they've just re-signed. Selwyn Cobbo, Herbie Farnworth, Katoni Staggs will come back. So they've definitely got the, the strike in the outside backs. Payne Haas up front as well. A couple of young forwards there in Bullymore and Flegler when he's not suspended. So... Yeah, I think bigger things await the Broncos in 2022 and they'll play their last game of the season here. They have a big off-season to look forward to. As you say there, Adam Reynolds, the marquee signing of the summer. Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, the Cowboys uh, coming off that win against the Dragons meet a much tougher opposition here in the Seagulls who themselves haven't uh, opted to rest Tommy Turbo. It was going to be the big question of the week. Is Tommy going to play? Is he not? And his name there in jersey number one. Yeah, I think uh, he was. He put the rumours to bed pretty quickly after the game last week. He said he's going to play. And I think he'd want to play because Manly the other day, I know they got the win. They won by 18 in the end, but... Geez, they're pretty ordering against the dogs, weren't they? Yeah, far from impressive. I think they were, you know, we've anyone who's played any form of sport knows when you're supposed to win a game, like when you were supposed to go in and and win and, and win well, sometimes it just doesn't happen. So I think there might have been a case of that for the Seagulls at the weekend. I think they had two tries uh, very early, which were denied as well. Maybe just, you know, if they were awarded, it could have been 50. If not, it just kept the Bulldogs in the game a little bit longer. Manly here, unbackable at the head-to-head, $1.07. The Cowboys, $9. The line, $23.50, each of two there. Um, I don't know if... What I saw from the Cowboys last week, and it was an improved performance and showed to me that they still have life in their legs and they, you know, they haven't turned it up. I think there's, there's more to hope for from the Cowboys next season. No, they definitely wanted to win that game. They looked really up for it, even though they literally had nothing to play for. But uh, it's good to see. I think they have a lot of good young players. Nanai, Helam Lukey, Griffin Name. They all seem to be have a bit of potential about them. And look, if Manly aren't up for it this week, I think it could be another sort of close-ish game. But Manly will really want to fine-tune their performance and you know going into the finals off the back of Bulldogs and Cowboys games might not be the best preparation for them yeah I mean we looked at that run home for Turbo and Garrick and Saab holders as well Cherry Evans on our popular pick at halfback and we looked at this final month for the, for the Seagulls and we thought geez uh, it's probably the softest in the competition all well and good for super coaches maybe not so uh, for real coaches such as Des Hasler who are trying to motivate this team to to go on to bigger wins in a month's time. So too will be the Rabbitohs uh, who will figure in the finals. The Dragons, they won't, but they meet here at the sunny coast on Saturday night. $1.74 Souths, still favourites in this one given uh, it's, a, it's a little bit surprising given the amount of talent they've arrested. Dragons, $2.10 outsiders. Uh, a closest game expected here. The line, two and a half. Uh, the Dragons get it and Look at the host of names here out for the Rabbitohs. Um, plenty plenty of tries and plenty of points on this list. Yeah, absolute chaos for Supercoaches this game with obviously the trail suspended, Dane Gagai's out, Cameron Murray's out, and Cody Walker's out. So there's just so many uh, players that we just had all year just out of the out of the picture. It really hurts. Uh, plus for tipping cops this year, it's pretty, this week, sorry, it's pretty hard this game. The Rabbitohs obviously a bit of a no-name side, but the Dragons just can't beat anybody at the moment. Yeah, you look at this Rabbitohs spine, it's, it's very different from what we'll see. Week one of the finals, fullback Blake Taff uh, in the halves, Benji Marshall and Lachlan Elias on debut, and Peter Marmazoulis at hooker. Uh, we mentioned uh, Peter there a couple of weeks ago, thought he might get a run when Cook's quad, was it last week I think, we, we had doubts over Cook playing, he turned out and... Yeah, this is pretty much their jersey flag spine of 2019, which I think it might have won the grand final, or certainly in it anyway. Uh, moving on, though, not too much else to speak of there. Uh, obviously, for the Dragons, 
Zach Lomax to miss the game. I think he's broken that thumb again. So Zach has an off-season to get his body right. And I think he'll be better for the Dragons heading into their second year under Anthony Griffin next year. I think if he can get fit Zach Lomax, he has shown signs in the past couple of weeks that he is still a premier CTW option uh, for Supercoaches. Yeah, exactly right. They've been shocking the Dragons really, but Zach Lomax has still put together some really good scores on Supercoach and he's, he's just played really well in general. So... He's a big one to watch for next year. Moving on to Sunday afternoon, this could be a big one to watch as well given uh, other results, how they fare prior to Sunday. The Titans and the Warriors, I think you've kind of spelled out the calculations, what needs to happen for the Titans to make the finals here, Tommy, and they start firm favourites in this game against the Warriors. $1.26 to $3.85, 11.5 start the Warriors get. Uh, The Titans still a chance to make the finals, and I think they will have to win by at least... Say the Sharks lose by 12, they'll have to win by 12, the Titans. I think I did the maths before, and the Raiders to lose. So finals footy not in their own hands, but uh, there'll be some keen onlookers if uh, they've still a chance to to get into the top eight come Sunday morning. Yeah, it's probably three of the worst teams you've seen trying to battle for the eighth spot, isn't it, really? Uh, The Titans shouldn't be anywhere near the eight, but there's still a chance to make it. It's hard to trust them, though, this week up against the Warriors, who are... Hard to trust in themselves. So, honestly, probably flip a coin for this game. I think uh, Anthony Don, you see him listed there in the extended squad. I'd, if they can't make the finals, I think Don plays because he's retiring. So, I think maybe this will be a send-off game for Anthony Don. Obviously, a servant of the club. So, uh, good luck to Don in retirement. But, again, probably not too much to mention here beyond the fact that uh, Chanel Harris-Tavita returns, Jack Murchie returns, and Chad Townsend. His season, his spell at the Warriors is done after picking up that shoulder injury last week. Tommy, that leads us into the final game of the regular season and uh, and what an anticlimactic finish to the year. The Tigers and the Doggies, they round us out. Yeah, it's a, it's a disappointing way to finish. I suppose no game is is boring. We pretty much watch every game, don't we, especially when we're, when we're in a lockdown. But uh, yeah, this one will be hard work for sure. Hopefully the Doggies come to play and look, they've won two games all year, two out of 23. They'll want this is their grand final. They want to win this game. A few players won't be here next year for the Dogs, so they want to go out on the winning note. And the Tigers, obviously, are pretty weak themselves. So you know we might see a contest. Dollar forty-five. The Tigers. Two dollars eighty. The Bulldogs. The line seven and a half. I don't want to dive into the seven and a half there, but geez, I mean the the Dogs showed. I think it was less than a month ago that they can mix it with the Tigers. That was a Tigers team which had Adam Dewey in it. Uh, obviously, AD won't be there this weekend. Tommy, speaking of uh, diving in at odds, our topsport.com.au. Let's get into our best bets for round 25. Looks a very tough round to find any value, but tell us, uh, have you been able to spot some? Yeah, very tough weekend for a bet, given that there's a lot of uncertainty around a few games, considering other results are going to make a difference and a lot of players being rested, but I've done my best anyway. Uh, Panthers minus 27.5 against the Eels, I think... We might have went one week early last week on the Panthers. Perhaps this is the week it clicks into gear against a team who would probably struggle in this Wales Cup. And also, uh, Broncos versus the Knights. I like the unders here, under 49.5. I think it's a very high line, considering the Knights are very much a grinding team these days. They want to have ensure that their defence is looking good ahead of the finals. So that game should go under. So if you multiply those together, you get about $3.60. Yeah, I like that bet. I think the Broncos have shown a little bit more resilience in recent times as well. The Knights' defence, I mean, it, it holds up. That's what Adam O'Brien's game is all about. Uh, and the Knights, I think they're happy to win games. We saw it last week by a point. They're happy to win them by two points, four points, whatever it may be. I don't think... Uh, that game will go too high, I wouldn't think. Although Saturday afternoon, a dry track, uh, Kalen Ponga and co, they could get a roll on. For mine, I'm sticking with uh, the Melbourne Storm on Friday evening. Look, they want to win this game, the Storm. I think they have to win it to lock up the uh, minor premiership. I think they're equal with the Panthers now. So if they lose and Penrith win, that'll flip around. So minus 10, I think this... As, as good as the Sharks have been in the past couple of weeks, they haven't been playing the quality of the Melbourne Storm. Ryan Pappenhausen back at fullback, Nico Hines in the halves. You mentioned there with Smith and Grant still in that uh, hooking role and Jerome Hughes, of course, there as well. So it's still a very strong team, minus 10 for mine, $1.95. It looks a bet. And this might be insulting to the Dragons, but I still think South, given all their outs, I think they're just too good. 
Uh, Benji, I think he he still has a point to prove, and I think when he's come on in his limited minutes, he's still been very, very good. So gets 80 minutes here, you'd think, to show that uh, he can still be an asset to Wayne Bennett's Rabbitohs come finals time. Multi them together, you get about $3.40. Uh, if you are having a play, please do so responsibly and do so with topsport.com.au. You can find their affiliate link of ours in our Instagram bio. Tommy, that just about wraps us up. But before we say goodbye, I saw this on Twitter during the week. Wacko's Whispers, uh, of course, uh, a source of all truths. He come out with the 10 commandments of Supercoach and we might uh, get into this a little bit more next week because we've gone on and on tonight. But he says in his tweet, I think we have a new commandment for the 10 commandments of NRL Supercoach for 2022. Number one, thou shall captain Tom Travojevic whenever he plays. Got me thinking, what are the other nine? We might dive into that next week. <laughs> well, it's a it's a good call for the most important commandment because his performances this year, we've gone on about all year, have just been amazing and he deserved the honours that we gave him tonight, I guess. Hope he listens, hope he respects the award. Uh, this week, though, absolute massive captaincy option against the Cowboys. Yeah, we might, as I say there, we'll put our heads together throughout the week, you and I, and we'll come up with the other nine. I think it's a little bit of fun as we wrap up the final week of the regular season, of course, and it's finals time. So uh, we might, again, put our heads together. We'll do some reviews of players, positions, teams, uh, maybe dive a little bit deeper into players that starred, players that flopped heading into 2022. Tommy, big thanks to you. Big thanks to all of our listeners. As we say, you can get us across our socials at Supercoach365, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you're there, we are there as well. Enjoy the footy, round 25, we wrap it all up. Uh, And then, of course, as we say, it's finals time. No better time of the year. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 